Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey there. Before we start the show, I just want to take a moment to talk about one of the most important pieces of fishing gear out there, and that is optics. Whether it's a cloudy day and you're looking for hatching bugs and sipping fish on a river, or you're in the salt on a bright sunny day looking for bait or that tailing bonefish, polarized sunglasses are a must not only for locating fish and making you more successful on the water, but also just in general for eye health. That's why I trust and always bring a pair of Torrige sunglasses on all my fishing trips. Thankfully, here at Tide Chasers, we would like to announce our partnership with Torrige Eyewear to offer polarized glasses of superior quality that won't break the budget. With many styles and colors, these shades will keep the glare down in any condition and help you catch more fish. They're corrosion and scratch resistant, and come with a lifetime warranty, so you never have to worry about them falling overboard or breaking them. For all of our listeners, Torish offers a 20% discount by using the code TIDECHASERS, with a capital T and no spaces, at checkout. So pick up a pair today, get on the water, and enjoy the show. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Tide Chasers Podcast. As always, it is our goal to connect our listeners with folks from all parts of the fishing industry. Whether you're a plug builder, charter captain, fishing guide, fly fisherman or woman, marine biologist or kayak fisherman, we have a little something for everyone. Before I introduce this week's guest, let's give a rundown of where you can find us. We are on Instagram at Tide underscore Chasers, on Facebook at Tide Chasers Podcast, as well as all of your major podcast platforms. From Apple Podcasts to Spotify, we're on Pandora, iHeartRadio, as well as Waypoint TV and many more. So check that out. We have the links in the bio. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce my co-host, Kwa. How you doing, buddy? It's been a little bit. What's going on, Dan? It's been a while. Been a while. We haven't, we missed you on the show. Yeah, man. It's it's nice to get back into the swing of things. I'm really excited to talk to today's guest. But yeah, man, I, I've, I've been away for a little bit. Now I got two in a row under my belt and it feels good to be back. So how have you been, my friend? Yeah, you know, it's just... the Getting to the end of that time when it's you now we're about to get back into fishing. Raritan's lighting up. Delaware Bay's lighting up. I just got back from an incredible musky trip. So, you know, I'm fired up. I'm ready to start. 
Yeah, man. And I got out on some snakeheads. So, you know, all of our favorite things are happening early yeah. this year. So, but let, let's introduce our, our first guest. Take it away, Qua. Cool, cool. All right, guys. Uh, today's guest, super impaired. Um, one of the first on our, um, actually on our podcast is uh, we have a student studying at Stockton that's going to teach us a little bit more about Stripe Bass today and what he does for it. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce uh, Derek. Derek Kelly, how you doing, man? How you guys doing? It's an honor to be on. Yeah, no problem, man. It's, it's very rare to find a young man like you so dedicated into the things that meet old guys like me and Dan love, man, Stripe Bass. You know, we love it when younger guys are like, they have that energy and that drive and that motivation to like, get into the shrike bass fishery and understand it more um i appreciate that yeah no problem like so as often we do uh we'd like to get a little background on how you got started in fishing you know any early influences early memories of your fishing like how did you get into what where you're at today so i've been fishing my whole life ever since i remember i remember going down to the pond with my dad catching sunfish all the stuff that kids do and then uh, I grew up around the water. My dad had a boat most of my life. So he was definitely my main influencer. Some main early memories I have, uh, Barnegat Bay, I fished my whole life. I remember going out with my dad. We used to do a lot of eeling on the flats in the bay. We used to catch some big striped bass. So that was some of my brightest memories fishing. That really actually got me hooked at such an young age. And I never really stopped. Gotcha. So when we're talking about young age, how old were you, like give and take? Do you remember? Like, I remember being on a boat when I was like two to three years old. I was super young. I remember I had a little yellow life jacket. You can see pictures of me as like a toddler buried over the size of the gunnel. So that was awesome. Yeah, that's how you know kids grow up fishy, man. If, you got, if their parents got them out there with like a life jacket, two, three years old and like two, three foot chops, shoot, you know that kid's going to come up one, one hell of a fisherman. Uh, so, I mean, growing up, you fish with your dad, Barnegat Bay. And I mean, compared to today's fishery, how has it changed? Have you noticed anything drastic and more fish, less fish, you know, like the whole environment? How has it been? Tarpon. Tarpon uh... <laughs> on the jetties. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I noticed a lot more bigger fish when I was young, but I was also very young at the time. So it was hard to like, I, I wasn't putting in the hours I put in now, but definitely I remember catching a lot more bigger fish. I remember there was fish bigger than me. But now I notice a lot more numbers. They're smaller fish, but I feel like there's a lot more fish in the bay, especially where I fish. So mm -hmm. I was, that's good to see. And hopefully they have time to grow. People understand the regulation, take care of them, catch and release mortality. And we have that in the future and those fish can grow. Now, were you back then, were you fishing, like when you were fishing, did you get into those big weak fishes that everyone talks about back in Barnica Bay back at the time? Uh, I remember catching a couple big ones, but never really like a super hot bite, but there was definitely a couple here and there. That's something I really wish we could get back. I wish I got into that. I'm jealous when I see those pictures. Gotcha. I mean, um, I mean, as for people wise, have you noticed any change, you know, like fishermen more sportier, more friendlier, or just, or have you noticed a lot more fishermen than previous years? Definitely a lot more people, definitely, especially during fluke season, especially uh, there's so many people on the bay. And I don't know, I think COVID, a lot of people got more boats, got mm -hmm. in more fishing hobbies. So I think that definitely spiked it. So we'll see what happens this year. But last two years, I've seen a lot more people out in the bay. Yeah, I think all of us have everywhere just because of what happened last year, more boats, more people, more kayaks. But the good thing about that is it helps our industry, right? So they sell yeah. more boats, they sell more people, more people fishing what people are getting out, helps the bait shops, help charters, you know, helps everyone out. Um, the only thing that doesn't help out is the fish. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So let's fast forward to current. Now um, you're, you're studying environmental science at Stockton. Uh, just for our listeners, just give them an idea of where Stockton is and like 
where is it located? Just a general area. Yeah, so Stockton's located in Galloway, uh, New Jersey, right off of exit 44 on Parkway South. And we also have a campus in Atlantic City. So if kids are looking in to get fishing, want to get close to the ocean, Stockton's a great school. I highly recommend it. I met a lot of good fishing buddies there, caught a lot of nice fish, and I, I really enjoy it. Cool. No, that, well, that's something for everyone out there. You guys want to get into like the marine science, the biology of that stuff. I mean, Stockton's got to be a good, good school to attend to because you got, you got so much water around you all the way up the whole coast of New Jersey. So pretty much all that. Um, now, just give us a little insight of how your early days fishing like prepared and also primed you for your work at Stockton. Yeah, so as a little kid, I've always been intrigued about the environment in general. And uh, even in high school, I was always, I always loved being outside. I always enjoyed it. So when I was applying to school, I saw Stockton had a great environmental slash marine science program. We actually have a field station off of the Molka River. So we do a lot of stuff in the field. So that really, really made me apply there. And then once I got in, there was no option where I was going to go. I knew I was going to Stockton. Gotcha. So, but what, like say during middle school or high school, like when did, when did it click? You know, like when did it click inside you just says... I want to do marine biology. Like that's, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to pursue. I feel like my whole life, I really I always want to do that. I remember like, even as a kid, even when we were fishing, just playing in the bait pens, like with all the spots and the yields, I was always just intrigued about the whole environment as a whole and not just the big trophy fish that everyone's sought after. So I really mm -hmm. appreciate everything that we have out there from the little peanut bunker all the way up to the big slot bass. Cool. So it seems like it was early age. What do would you, do you deem some of this as a, um, was early influence from like your dad and stuff or uncles or stuff, relatives like that, that kind of like, kind of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say pushed you, but like just more influence from them to get, keep you in the water that kept you, you know, for this goal. Yeah. My whole family has been avid outdoorsman. My uncle Jeff, he's a, he's a very avid outdoorsman. He's in hunting, fishing. He always took me up to the lakes. He has a cabin in uh, upstate New York. We used to go to Maine all the time when I was younger. So all those outdoors experience, the hiking, and the fishing that was up there really got me really into that. And I was hooked at a young age. Nice. So from what I read, Stockton goes, um, they do have a, uh, a well-known fishing team in the area. Uh, yeah. give, us some, give us some insight on how that is, you know, like the camaraderie between yourself, classmates, and like, what is your role on the whole team as a, as a whole? So I'm actually the uh, vice president of the team. It shut down for a while due to COVID because kids weren't on campus. So I got a text from one of my buddies, uh, Dylan. He's the president of the club. He's, he does a lot for the club. Awesome kid, great fisherman. Anybody has any questions about the club, definitely reach out to him. We're on a Stockton Fishing on Instagram. He'll answer you. And uh, he hit me up and was like, I, I want to start a fishing club. And I was like, that sounds like a great idea. So we started meeting uh, every Tuesday. We got about 50 members in the club right now. And we meet uh, every Tuesday at nine. And basically we just chop it up, have a good time, talk about what we're, uh, what we're catching, what the bite's like. And then actually a lot of kids after the meetings go out and go fishing together. So I meet a lot. Of, I met a lot of friends that way. And I take a lot of kids out and we always have a great time. Gotcha. So, I mean, so the, the whole fishing club itself, it's kind of like, you know, how we get, we go to college, you know, there's like the book club, the, whatever, just like. The ch yeah, the chess club, <laughs> the, the, the dance club, the drama club, all that. So you guys created an actual fishing club. Yep. Yep. Right. So it, just, it would just be like, imagine 50 dudes sitting inside, 50 guys sitting inside a room and you guys literally just talk about fishing for yeah, hours. We do uh, club-wide tournaments too. There's actually a really good lake on campus. So we do a Lake Fred tournament and uh, we do a striped bass tournament, a fluke tournament during the season. You just measure in your fish and we add up your total length throughout the season and we all throw in like 10 bucks and the winner gets a prize. 
Oh, that's very cool. Go ahead, Dan. Hey, I just wanted to ask you, so with, with your fishing club now, generally speaking, do you guys have conversations about conservation and conversations about like what your, what your views are compared to your other, uh, your other classmates and teammates in your fishing club? Do you have like a, a set, um, not, not like a, a, like a stance per se as a fishing club or is everybody kind of all over the place? We have a couple of kids that are all over the place, just like you get any group of people, but we really try to enforce conservation, catch and release, be stressed, uh, catch and release mortality, how to handle your fish. And a lot of the kids actually grew up in different areas and uh, came to Stockton and want to learn about the areas. We talk a lot about that and it's interesting, like seeing how much they learn in such a short time. Now you, you had mentioned uh, taking kids out fishing. Do you organize like, uh, like, like fishing days with some of the local kids clubs and things like that? Uh, we do, we have, we've reached out to some high schools. We met up with uh, Cedar Creek High School one day. The president went down, talked to them, had a little meeting with them. And uh, we usually just uh, organize like group trips. We're like, hey, we're going to this spot. Everybody has off the class. We have no class today. Let's all try and meet up here, catch some fish, just have a good time. Gotcha. I'm sorry to jump in there. I just, you know, you got 50 minds in one room. You got you to gotta wonder that sometimes, you know, tempers might flare. You know, you might have a view of one thing and somebody might have a completely different view. And I just wonder how you overcome those kind of conversations within your group. Yeah, just we're all friendly. We all have the same goal. We all just want to catch fish. So we're all saving fish. As we all are down for that. Perfect. Now right, these, the, these, now these, just real quick, these 50 guys, right? Like all, are they all kind of studying somewhat in the same field as you, or it's just, they, they're just studying all different stuff. We have majority of the club is definitely marine science and environmental science major. We have kids all over the place. We have kids that are business majors, finance majors, literacy majors. So it's it's not just environmental science, marine science kids. Gotcha. Sorry to cut you off, Dan. You had something to say? No, no, that was it. I was handing it back over to you. So that's oh, great. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, cool. So now you're working with the internship with the uh, New Jersey Fish and Wildlife. Uh, what has your time with uh, Fish and Wildlife taught you and maybe like change the way you think of what these agencies are doing for like the recs and also the commercial fishing? Yeah. So uh, basically my internship is, I don't know if you guys ever seen it. It's an eight angular point intercept survey. So basically I'll get an assignment and be like, go sit at this boat ramp or this Marine all day, interview everybody that comes in, ask questions about how much fishing pressure you put in, how many fish you caught, how many fish you release. And it showed me a lot because I get to travel up and down the New Jersey coast. So it's awesome to see just the difference in not only like the attitude towards management in certain areas, but how different fisheries can be in such a different, in such a same state. And uh, it's taught me a lot like about the people just, I feel like people don't really appreciate what we have as much and they uh, take it for granted. Like I wor I'll work in the Raritan Bay and I'll see a guy that was trolling bunker spoon and he'd be like, hey, like it's not fair. I get to keep one fish. Like when I caught like four keepers saying, I'm like, yeah, you know, you just got into a good pot of fish. You never know. Like earlier in the years, that could have been hundreds of fish. It's just, it's, you can't just take one day for a whole population of a species. You got to think of the whole picture in the future too. Gotcha. So your, your internship pretty much sits you like dock on like boat ramps and stuff like that. And you, and you kind of like just interview guys getting off the water, right? Just like, mm -hmm. Hey, how was your day? You know, you know, how many fish you guys catch, that kind of stuff, right? Just surveying fishermen and stuff? Yep. Yep. Gotcha. All right. How, from, from this kind of experience and internship, like how do you feel towards fishermen? Do you get a good vibe from a lot of good fishermen? Or do you always, once in a while, you get that really bad, grumpy guy that gets off the water? He says, like, oh, I don't feel like, I don't feel like talking to you. 
Oh, yeah, there's always there's always that grumpy guy. I've had a couple of run-ins where there's definitely a grumpy guy. The majority of the charter captain interview, all of them have been great guys. It's been overall, most of the interactions are a positive, but there's definitely are those negative interactions. You know, when people go out for tuna for a long day, spend a lot of money on gas, and I'm back at the dock heckling them before they can even tie their boat up. They get annoyed sometimes. But I think people just need to understand I'm there for a good reason. I'm here to help you guys out in the future. So if you just give me five minutes of your time, I'll make it worthwhile for both of us. Gotcha. Yeah, so I just sat in on the fluke uh, assessment a little bit earlier today, and they kind of almost finished finishing passing up the law, you know, with the whole uh, two fish at 17 to 7.99 and one fish over 18. That, the good part of that came out of this is we had a longer season, you know, May 2nd up to September 23rd. Now, I had a debate about it with this with a bunch of other guys, and it's, it's like it's, it's give and take 50-50. Some guy says it's going to put a lot more pressure on uh, fish and wildlife, especially the, uh, the, the CO officers, that now they're going to have to put more effort into actually measuring fish more tightly than, you know, like an 18-inch fluke, me and Dan knows, we could just stare at it, be like, all right, that's an 18, it's over, good to go, right? Now, now like, oh, now you got to measure a 17. And, like, do you think that is going to put more pressure on just, say, you guys and also the, the wildlife officers? Yeah, I think definitely the wildlife officer. Sadly, I have no enforcement, so I couldn't say anything, but I think the wildlife officer definitely got it. It's more hands-on. You got to be measuring those fish. You can't just tell right away if it's different between a 17 and 18 and a half. So definitely going to put more pressure on them. But I think we can get that done and it, it, it'll help the population in the future. I'm a fan of the regulation. I like to see those big fish go back. So I think if we can okay. get conservation officers in the right sites and measuring those fish, I think it'll be beneficial for everyone. Well, that was that would have been my next my was my next question. What do you like with your background with biology and marine biology and stuff like that? How how do you feel with this option? Like, do you support this option? You like the option, or would you have gone with another option? I personally like the option because I noticed I catch a lot of fish. I put back last year, 70 and a half inches. I'm like, that would have made that would have made fish talk right there. That was a good fish. And I like to see those big fish go. And I think people those more 25 inches from my understanding those are mostly female fish those will lay the eggs those are the future of our population so i'd really like to see those fish go back mm -hmm. yes yeah, so from what we've heard and me dan's experience too it's uh i think it's anything over 18 is usually a female uh mm -hmm. that 17 to 18 is 50 50 it's a uh, it's a female or male anything under 17 is usually a male um so i mean so but then here's here's the kicker though so that so as a just say a 17 inch fish right so it's not technically what like a pound pound and a half right dan you think yeah maybe i mean it depends you it depends if it's later in the season but i would say you know that 17 to 18 inch 18 inch fish is pushing two pounds maximum really okay so yeah, yeah so that 17 inch fish is probably about you know whatever two pound minimum minimum so we're allotted just give and take just a random number a million pounds right so we're, we're getting a million pounds how many fish is going to take between that 17 to 18 to get to that million pounds instead of catching just say 18 over it's going to be it's going to be less fish to get to a million but now we have that 1799 now they're going to have to going to have to have to harvest more fish to get to that million pounds you know what i mean so it's kind of like devil's advocate we got to be like eh. yeah it's definitely give or take i'm excited to see how it goes this year hopefully mm -hmm. they reassess it definitely before it's too late i think that's key you can implement these regulations you got to like you got to reassess them and make sure you're looking back on what you did so before it gets too late and uh, yeah and the comparable to this is also like they compare like this is the first time new jersey's ever done a slot for flute right i think this is the very first time yeah. so yeah. the thing is will it work will it not 
um, people are saying, oh, well, it worked with the striped bass. I like, we've only implemented this slot for one year. We're not going to know if it helps. I mean, yeah, we're getting a good run of bass now in Raritan. We're getting a good bass run now in the Delaware River. But first off, the Raritan bass, they've been there all year. They never went home. Delaware bass, they're just starting to make their migrations up. So, and then half the time, some of the bad, most of our bad big bass are offshore. We don't know that, but I know tuna guys have seen it. You know, we got miles and miles of bass out there. So these guys that say, oh, well, the slot did help the striped bass. We won't know for a couple of years, honestly. We won't know if it helped or helped not. But but slot size do work because we can use Florida, for example, right, with their redfish and, and snook slots. That helped mm-hmm. the fishery re- recover dramatically. So, well, we're going to have to give give it a take. You know, let's see what happens in the next few years with fluke and striped bass and if this slot numbers really help them. And then we're gonna, yeah, and we're gonna depend on guys like you to put the work in and let us know. Yeah, I'll be out there. You can count on me. Cool. All right. So uh besides one more thing for me is uh like future plans to do with your degree in internship. What are your future plans with all this? So uh originally I wanted to get into fisheries, I worked the nine to five fishery job, but then uh I really got into the I got the boat when I was a freshman, just after I graduated. And then as I graduated, as I progressed through college, I really fell in love with just being on the water and taking people fishing. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna get this environmental science degree, but I'm also gonna get a teaching degree. So my future goals now, I want to be a teacher. I want to teach local uh, I want to teach marine science or earth science at a local school. So any administrators out there, I'm your guy. I'll teach your kids. I'll, I'll be awesome. I'm excited. Excited to teach. We got to find the administrators that are fishermen to get you on the board, right? Oh yeah. I, I, <laughs> we got to we got to find those guys that pick up a rod and they're in their off time. So so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here. So for those of you that don't know Derek, his uh, Instagram is Dairy Free Fishing, and he actually reached out to us because he's been a listener from the beginning and he's liked, likes what he heard from us and he wanted to add to it. So the great thing about Derek is like, he just said, he got a boat early on. He's looking to jump into the charter business after he does all his schooling and everything. And we have a great friend uh, of the, of the program, Mike Smith, who is a teacher and the, and that when he teaches, and then he is also a charter captain. He's amazing. And he's got that figured out. So he might be a guy to reach out to, Captain Mike Smith from Never Enough uh, Fishing down in uh, Stone Harbor, Avalon area. Yeah. He might be a guy to, to reach out to to kind of like see what that game plan, how that how he works that out. Because I know he, outside of everybody, he loves to teach, but he also loves to fish. And he's great at both of them. And he puts it together. You know, the teaching is, is imperative when you're a charter captain because 99% of the time you're not catching fish. So you're either teaching or you're, or you're entertaining. So that's, that's where that comes in. So that's a, that's a great plan that you have. Now, as far as your boat goes, kind of give us a little insight. Now you said you got it as a freshman. How, how did, how did you come into that boat? How did that happen? Give us a little, uh, a little background on how you came into that boat. And then we'll talk about what your plans are for that boat in the future. So when I graduated high school, I, I was asking for a boat. I was like, my parents helped me out a little bit. I had some money saved up. So basically the summer we were looking for the right one, found this one on Craigslist. It was up in the Raritan River area up there, trailered it down to Manahawkin. It's a 16-foot uh, Cape Craft center console with a uh, 2008 Mercury two-stroke on the back. And uh, I love that thing. It's my prized possession. I'm always on it, working, like, doing stuff to it, and I, I love that boat so much. It, people underestimate me. Owning a used boat, it's work. It's definitely not easy. It's some hard work. It's, it's put me through some troubles, but it's definitely a learning experience, and I'm so excited I got to be a part of it. 
So, so dairy-free charters is what, what we're uh, going to be looking to into the future. Now, you've had some experience taking some of your friends out. How have those trips gone? Like, do you, are your friends relying on your expertise or are the friends you're taking out, are they ringers? Like, are they good fishermen already? Yeah, I have friends all over the board, especially with the club. I've been trying to meet some new kids that haven't had the experience I have and just putting my knowledge into them. And they, every, every time I've gone out, I've had a positive experience. I haven't had a negative experience yet. Even when we're not catching fish, I, I say you can learn a, more from a bad day of fishing than a good day. So I've overall, all the experience have been great. And I personally now enjoy taking people fishing and putting people on fish more than I enjoy just showing out by myself. So what, what, is, what kind of schedule are you looking at? Like what kind of timing are you looking at to be able to, to bring dairy-free charters to life? So I graduate next year. So I'm currently doing a six-pack. I have until next March to do that. So I'm hoping to have that done this summer, like looking for August and hopefully be licensed in October, do some back bay trips then. And then once I graduate college, get the teaching job, then I'm going to go all out probably upgrade the get another bigger boat i'm looking at like a 21 foot i would like to get like a parker sa would be the dream boat and uh run back bay trips in that and then go out front a little bit for flukes and striped bass in the fall and get on that bite it sounds like you got some uh, pretty big plans in store yeah definitely definitely i'm excited to get after it i'm 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 excited man i really want to get into this i love what i do and i'm i'm excited for the future so what would you say, so I contact you dairy-free charters down the road. What would you consider your expertise? Like you, you're doing it already, but you're doing it like with your friends. What would you say is your, you got figured out in Barnegat that, 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 that you are confident that you can put together some, some successful trips for, for clients in the future? Are you yeah, marking numbers? Are you, are you starting to put things together to kind of prepare for the future with, with your boat and, and such? Yeah, I definitely am starting. I noticed this. Uh, it was rough when I first started. You know, I'm it was pretty hard finding these fish. But once I had a couple of good trips, I started putting the pieces together, starting to figure out water temperature, where these fish would be. And now I'm pretty dialed on the back bay striped bass. I've been putting up good numbers consistently. So I've, everybody that's gone out has been like, this is the best fishing I've seen. This is awesome. You got to keep on doing this. So everyone's had a great time. Lots of numbers of fish. I had a buddy out the other day. We caught like 30 bass. So it was a great day. He had a great time couple slots he kept he took one home I put all my keepers back and we he had a great trip very nice now are you gonna do you I know you do a little bit of fly fishing do you plan to offer fly fishing charters as part of your package or or is that something that's kind of like at a re, at request type deal uh I'll definitely add that to the package anybody I'm starting to learn it myself I'm getting pretty good at it. I started actually uh, in lakes at home just throwing bug poppers on lily pads and catching okay. large enough that way. So I'm kind of taking those skills I learned from fly casting there and taking that to the bay. And I, this year, the first time I tried it and uh, actually first cast of the fly this year, I twitched it twice and watched a nice schoolie come up and eat it. So I'm hooked on that. I'm addicted now. Well, this so other, this other guy over me. here, this other guy over here is he's an addict. His goal is to catch every, every possible fish on the fly. So he's a good guy to chat with too, because he does a lot of back bay uh, fly fishing for bass too, so it might be able to pick his ear on that a little bit. Yeah, fly fishing's kind of been my thing. So like, on the flats, push pull. Like I have a platform in my. Like I saw, I just looked at your boat. Your boat literally has the same layout as mine because I have a fifteen foot, fifteen foot uh, Hobie power skiff. So I have a I have a poly, uh, pulling platform on there. We pull flat, you know, fly fishing off the front. You know, the whole like Florida lifestyle of flats fishing. That's kind of what I'm I'm into. So yeah. 
That's definitely an upgrade I want to make in the future. Actually, I saw your boat. You went out front earlier, a couple in the fall, and that was pretty cool. It was awesome to see. It's yeah, that, I'm always I'm out during the fall. I'm always out front down here midsummer. I'm out looking for cobia and stuff like that. So, um, besides that, I mean, you guys have some good waters up there. I I, I fish Barnegat off from land a lot. I haven't fished the back. Uh, it looks very interesting. The islands, the Sedge Islands, that that looks yep. very a very fishy area for like bass and stuff like that. That looks yeah. very ta- tasteful with uh, for fly fishing, especially those islands, man. Because mm-hmm. see, South Jersey, we're all filled with those kind of stuff. So finding yeah. bass back yeah. there is not it is not it's not hard. But like Barnegat, if you can get Barnegat dialed in, you know it's it's awesome because it's not a very easy place to fish. And I and then yeah. I know that I know a bunch of guys back there. You know, you guys don't have the you guys don't have like side banks like us you know your flats are cool you guys you guys have the thing about you guys is you guys have clear water our water mm-hmm. is kind of uh, not super clear but you guys have that clear water which is really good um the only other uh, the only other advice i can probably give you is keep a log every day you're yeah, out I started log, doing that. log everything yep. water temperature wind direction you know you'll see a pattern you'll definitely see a pattern once you log enough of it cool no. sounds good now, now, Derek, I, I have a lot of friends that um, you, you said you've been on Barnegat all your life. I have a lot of friends that do do really well shell fishing on Barnegat, you know, clams, mm-hmm. things like that. Is that something you and your dad ever got into? That I know the shellfish, uh, the shellfish population back there and the the areas where you, you're able to do so is amazing. Oh, yeah, definitely. We do. I do that a lot with my friends, too. We just go to the flat, just walk around barefoot, just chop it up, catch some clams, and cook it up. I, I love doing clamming. I don't do as much as I would like. I work in the summer. I get busy, so I have to prioritize the fishing. But when I get a good chance to go clamming with some friends and my dad, I'll definitely, definitely take that advantage. Now, I know as you get a little bit more north in the state, the crabbing, the blue crabs tend to be a little bit harder to come by. Is that something you found in Barnegat, or do you have you know, your creeks and, and, and places that you did or go to for you without getting into your spots, obviously. Yeah. Some of the creeks are loaded up with crabs, like, and especially in the summer, I don't go crabbing that much, but a lot of times, especially uh, with that drum bite I've been on, I've been trying to stack up on crabs. So I have some spots where we try and catch some blue crabs, but most of the times in the lagoons in the backyards, I see people I'm doing pretty good. So speaking of that drum bite, that yep. should be happening pretty, pretty darn soon. Shouldn't it? Right. Yeah, yeah. First moon in April, I think, is yeah. the 16th. So yeah, after that, I'm definitely definitely get on that. I know, so, I know. Our buddy Johnny's already looking for the hookup on clams. I, I've seen him. Uh, I've seen him putting some some messages out there, and he's the, oh, it's done. He secured he's, the juice today. He's, he's the king. He's the king. So again, we, we love it. I mean that that's something that you don't hear a lot about in, in Barnegat, but obviously there, yeah. there's a little bit of a run there. So is that something mm-hmm. that you can talk about, you know, without getting into giving up any of your super big so, secrets? Yeah. That's the first, that's the first I've heard like an actual drum bite in Barnegat. Like I've never heard of that. Yeah. So last year was the first time I got into him. I got some Intel from one of my buddies and his good, mm-hmm. his uh, good friend down the block is like, Hey, like I got on a pretty good, try this spot. So immediately got clams, got crabs, went out and we, killed them the first week we were fishing the flat more southern bay closer to you guys but we mm-hmm. were we were just chucking clams throwing the shells out the back anchored up with uh, surf clams and we killed them we probably caught like 15 in a week and they were all pretty big fish so it was really good to say so i'm excited hopefully start earlier this year we started mm-hmm. a little late so we had a short run for what we fished but i'm hoping to get into them really good this year so you ran you ran your boat from where it's at down our way somewhat or yeah, tr- yeah. Oh, you- I'm right, okay. right in the middle of Barnegat Bay, so okay. I can either like either to go north or south. It's kind of the same trip for me. 
Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So uh, it, mm-hmm. go ahead. Go ahead. Qua. No, no, that's what I said. When he said drum bite in Barnegat Bay, I was like, I never remember seeing one or hearing one. But then now the way you said it, now I kind of get the idea of it. Yep. Yep. I, I have heard now, personally, I have heard of a, a, a drum bite probably mid-May Barnegat. And it's a couple of guys that do it on foot, actually. Um, but nothing, I wouldn't say it's killing it like you're talking about. I kind of, I probably have an idea where you're going if you're saying a, a Southern Bay closer to us. Mm-hmm. So it's probably similar stomping grounds that, that we're used to. Yep. So that drum bite, what, what's the biggest you guys plucked out of that drum bite last year? I have a 36 inch ruler on the front of the boat. I caught one that I could, it was definitely the heaviest thing I've ever lifted. I thought I was going to blow my back out, getting it over the gun. I was by myself. I slapped it on the ruler real quick. It was over on both sides. I definitely, it was in the 40, 40 inch category. And it was definitely the heaviest fish I ever felt. Like I couldn't even like, I couldn't even guess the weight. Like I was struggling just to get that thing out. I had to hop in the water with it, help it swim away. It was a huge fish and it was fat. So it definitely filled with egg and it was definitely doing its thing. And yeah. I guarantee, and I guarantee it messed up the boat. Just gross and slimy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Slimy. Yeah. I, oh. I had green heads all over me too. I went for like 20 minutes, caught that fish, got covered in drum slime and then started getting attacked by green heads. So I just called it a day after that. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot going up from there. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty solid fish. Yeah. At least you have the fish story. My fish story doesn't end with me with holding the fish. So I had a big drum on my line last year, probably 50, 60-pound class fish, fishing for fluke from shore on 15-pound line. I had it up to the up to the beach, and I just couldn't get I couldn't seal it. I was, like, nice. probably 30 yards up on the beach, and by the time my line broke, I couldn't run down fast enough to, to get it. It was, it was, it was a beautiful thing. And it was the most heartbreaking thing afterwards. I've mentioned it on here a couple of times, but I wanted to quit fishing after that. Quad had to talk me off the ledge. It was so, it was so terrible, heartbreaking. So I might be joining you for one of these bites this year, just so I can get that, that nasty taste out of my mouth. If, if you're down for that. Definitely. Once I get it dialed in, I'll definitely text you guys and we can. Well, no, you don't. So, so I like being a part of figuring out the bite too. You don't have to dial it in for me. I I don't need, I don't need uh, easy. I, I I like it hard. I want it to be I like that. Bites. So I'm, I, I like I'm, that. For I'm me, I, I'm more on the striper bite. I'm ready for <laughs> I'm I'm ready for the stripers in the back. Whenever you whenever you say stripers in the back bays with fly rods, I'm I'm always 100 percent in. I, I I plan not to pick up any spin rods this year on my boat. I I have four, I have four brand new setups on fly rods that I'm just gonna leave on the boat, and that's just that's it. I'm not picking up a spin rod this year. I don't think I am. Sheep's on the fly. No, besides sheep. sheep. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I'll pick up a spin rod for sheep, but if it's gonna be bass, it's gonna be it's gonna be fly or die, man. Listen, if you follow some of these guys down south, they get sheep's on the fly. I think you could do it. Oh, I'm gonna attempt it this year. So, so, so back back to that drum, Derek. I don't need easy. I'm okay with grinding. I'm a grinder, man. So I'm okay <laughs> with grinding out there. I'm it okay with, grind. with the with the, the, the with the green heads all over me. <laughs> Get my Captain Rons and we'll be good to go. You don't have to worry about me. I'm I don't need it to be easy. Awesome. I love I love people like that. I'm a grinder too. I love I love a hard day of fishing when you catch that nice fish. It's always way more rewarding that way. So rewind one more time. When do you expect dairy free fishing charters to be up and running? I'm hoping summer 2024, full time, having book trips, fluke fishing in the summer, and then drum and striped bass early spring, and then uh Straight bass again september and october beautiful now you got a lot of time you got a lot of time between now and then mm-hmm. to hone your skills 
because because you're going to be wanting to to mark numbers you're going to be wanting to mark everything at this point like 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 said keep a log this is the time where you you figure it out with your buddies and then when when it when it's on the line then you have some you have something to refer back to the good the good thing is that area it's it's a harder fisher to dial in so that makes it a lot harder for an actual guide or you know captain to make an actual charter business out of it. so the area doesn't have that many back bay charters so this is kind of a uh, a niche that you can you can key in on and attack hard because you're a young enthusiastic you know growing up coming up and you want to like if you put your mind to it and you focus real hard you dial that fishery into a dime dude your your charters will be going endless i'm excited i'm putting in the hours i'm doing all the work I can to get to that point. So I'm definitely going to be there one day. I know it. And, right. and not for nothing, the, the, the charter guys, the guides that do the concert that are conservation first, those guys are always booked busy. So mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. those curmudgeons you have coming off the water that you're talking to right now, you know, those, those charter captains and such, you know, the guys that are doing it right, they're always booked. You got Brian Williams, who's always booked. He's doing it right down in uh, Ocean City. Yep. You got guys all over the place that are doing the right thing first. You got a guy, um, Alan Batista, down in the Chesapeake Bay, who's who's by far one of the biggest conservation striped bass guys, and he's always booked. So there's these guys that, that are doing it the right way, and you don't, you'll never have to worry about clients because there will be clients that will love that about you. So keep yep. that, keep that as, as your thing, man. That's a big deal. Yep. And, and the fact that he's, he's, he has his background as he becoming a teacher. So remember yep. 50% a guide is you're a fisherman, 50% you're an entertainer and an educator. So you yep. keep that in the back of your head. Does, you know, you, your job, yeah. Your, your job is to put people in fish, but at the same time, you may, you have to be able to entertain them and educate them every aspect of life being on the water that's i mean yep, you know what definitely. you already have best of best of both worlds you have the knowledge to educate them about fisheries and stuff like that but then you also have the skill level of a fisherman put them together dude that's the ultimate combo for a perfect guide yeah excited super excited and then not to mention you have your fishing club buddies as as practice you know to take them out and they can kind of challenge you in different ways that that a you know, a weekend warrior that hops on your boat may not. So you might get mm-hmm. some extra experience by fishing with guys that are, that are top, top end too. So that's a, yep. that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I got a, I got something I'm trying out here that, that I tried out on my, on the last podcast. I'm going to try it with you, but first I want to find out what are your fishing goals for the 2022 season, whether it be spring going into summer, then fall, what kind so, of things do you have in mind that you're trying to tackle? Cause I know I have big plans for this year. But I guess I would guess someone like you is is trying to blow up so you can get some good publicity for your charter business going forward. Yeah, definitely trying to get dialed in on social media stuff. That's something I, I'm completely lost in, not going to lie. But I have some buddies that are willing to help me out, get back into the media, take some cool pictures, no spot burns, but have good content mm-hmm. that I can spread all across and actually yeah. really promote myself. And besides that, actual fishing goals, I want that big fluke. I want that 30-inch fluke. I'm grinding for it i got close one time it wasn't quite there it was like 26 27 inches i'm excited i want to get i want to catch a uh, 30 plus on the bay back bay back by may way way back there i was close i had one of my buddies got a 30 with me the other day so that was awesome to see i was the first one we got on the boat so i was very happy about that and i want that big weak fish i love the weak fish i don't know if it's because they're so rare but i just think they're so cool looking i really want a nice weak fish that was another bad thing that happened to me last year. I, I had probably, 
somewhere between a 30, 32 inch weak fish down in Delaware. I'm on like the edge of a sob bank. I would say I'd put this fish somewhere between nine and 11 pounds. It was a really nice fish. And I'm on a side bank and I'm trying to, I'm trying to lift her up, but the, it's like a, a side bank that's kind of crumbled down. So I stumbled and I dropped the fish in the water. Uh, I got uh, to see it, but nobody else did. And I'm okay with that. You saw it and you got to fight it. I believe I, you. I, I never liked, and I, I caught it on a green, a green, uh, a green grub fishing for fluke down in, uh, down in Delaware early, probably end of April last year. Mm -hmm. I would believe I'm, I'm taking my kayak back there this year and I'm beating that, that whole Creek up that I was fishing. Cause yeah, I know yeah. if that one was there, there's gotta be others. So, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's heartbreakers that they are a beautiful, like when you see a big fish like that in your hands and you know how special that, that 30 plus inch weak fish is, yeah, it's, it's just, it's another level. I mean, you, you start shaking, I was shaking and that's probably part of the problem, but yeah, it, it's, it's pretty cool. And then the one, the biggest one I have a picture of with me is almost 27 inches. Yeah, there was a guy, uh, I was fishing a side bank last April too, a guy next to me caught a 27, and just seeing that fish, I didn't even catch it, and I was shaking, yeah. I was like, oh my god, like, that is crazy, like, that purple shine they have, the yellow yeah. fins, they're just yeah. such cool looking fish, I love those things. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah my... we had a, we had a nice fish off the, uh, the Barnegat rocks one time, it was, it was a, and we landed it without a net, it was a, it was a 28 and a half inch fluke off the rocks, and we, wow. and, and we flipped it onto the rocks, and it, 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 it landed perfectly flat. <laughs> wow that's a big yeah. clue yeah no net no nothing it, 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 we were so scared when he, we came up out of water it just looks like a dinosaur we were like yo we don't got net what we're we gonna do we were like boat flip it just, yes, we got no choice boat flip it and luckily we flipped it on a perfectly flat rock and it flopped on it and it stayed it didn't do nothing else lucky okay, those are hard fish to flip too those fluke yeah. I, i've lost a couple of those just like messing around with it by the side of the boat you get their head out of the water and no telling what's going to happen next yeah and um also about those uh those big weak fish man um if this is something you want to get into um reach out to uh high flyer charters he's he specializes in big weak fish up in that area you know if, if you know, talk to him see what you know see what see what kind of info you can exchange with you know the fact that he knows you're in school conservation and stuff like that you know he might be able he might tell you a little bit of something about it you know he's, he's he's got them dialed in yeah that's definitely something i want to get into all right derek so this is what i call the rapid fire section i'm going to throw some questions at you and you got to answer with the first thing that comes to mind you ready to go i'm ready to go all right let's do it so you fish with your dad young what was the first fish you remember catching on your own on my own quality fish i remember we were eeling in Barnegat Bay, it was a very snotty day. I remember this day. I was like three years old, but this is one day I'll never forget. I could tell you this story 50 years from now. We were uh, live lining eels. Rod went off in the back. I could barely reach over the gunnel. I've cranked it in by myself. We got it next to the boot. It was just about slot, like top slot, maybe over slot now. Netted it in the boat. I was going crazy. There was a guy in another boat next to us. He's like, that's a, that's a big fish for a little kid. I remember taking the pictures, me holding the, my dad holding the fish next to me. And it was, it was bigger than me. I remember I was so excited. I was jumping up and down on the boat and actually slipped, cut my knee. I was crying, but I was so excited. And I, I'll remember that day to like every moment of that day. I remember. And here you are. You still remember it just like you thought you would. Yep. All right. First fish you caught on the fly. 
it was a largemouth bass on a bug popper at a local pond. First, just went out one morning. I was like probably 12 years old. I think every uh, when I was younger, we used to do field trips. I wasn't a huge fan of the field trips. I'm like, I'm not going to Cape May Zoo today. I'm skipping school. I'm going fishing. So walked past the bus stop with my fly rod, went down with the bug popper, popped it a couple of times, watched the largemouth come up and get it. And that was, I was hooked on that. So you skipped the Cape May Zoo trip to go uh, catch some largemouth on the fly. Yes. yes. You're my kind of guy, man. I love that. No regrets that. at all. Hating on the Cape May Zoo, though. There's some great ponds around there. You could, you could, you could probably, uh, if you could sneak your rod on the bus, you could, you could hit some fish around there. Yeah, it's hard to get a nine foot fly rod on the bus. <laughs> I figured, I figured as much. All right. So, what's your favorite fish to eat? Uh, I'm a huge fluke guy. I don't like to keep that many fluke. But, you know, when I catch one, I swallow the bucktail a little too much. I'll take it home. I eat it fresh. Have some tacos, and that's feed the family when we have people over i'll take one for my birthday too my birthday is actually may 16th which i couldn't keep one but this year i'm definitely taking one for my birthday have a nice little dinner there you go man i could keep one on my birthday too mine's may 7th yeah i used to i used to celebrate may 22nd go out catch a keeper for my birthday but i don't have to do that this year so i'm pretty That's excited awesome. about that you can actually go out on your actual birthday if you if you yep. if you're off from work or school or whatever so what is your favorite fish to target Favorite fish to target? I like fluke. Fluke are my favorite fish. It's the time of the season. It's warm. I get to go out with my girlfriend. She likes to catch fluke. So just those hours on the water we spend together, her catching fluke. I really enjoy that. But I'm not going to lie. I'm a huge fan of those nighttime striped bass. Nice and quiet out there. The only boat out there. And you can catch in a lot of numbers. And it's like National Geographic out there some night. Those fish dial in at like midnight and you can just see the fish swirling, jumping. So I'm, I'm a mix between fluke and striped bass, but I'm going to say striped bass today. I, I can tell you that that nighttime bite, whether it's stripers or anything else, is pretty incredible. I, I had a night down down in Virginia in the fall, and it was dead calm. I'm on my kayak. It's pitch black dark. My lights burned out because my battery went dead. My, my kayak, my fish finder went dead. And there are redfish, like slotting above, just popping all over this marina near me. And it was just absolutely out of this world. I'm throwing, like, mirror lures in there and plucking fish after fish. Then there's a a little striper in there. There might be a little speckled trout in there. You just never know what you're going to catch. But that nighttime, you know, slot redfish bite, it's unreal when there's nobody else around. So I, yeah, I'd imagine striped bass gets like that. Yeah, I was out there the other night. I just had to stop casting, just take it in. I stood on the bow for five minutes, just watching fish blow up next to the boat. It was like National Geographic out yeah. there. I was smiling the whole time, just loving life. Yeah, that's the best. It's the best. Nighttime is the right time. I do a lot of damage at night, so I get it. Now, what species of fish is currently your most frustrating fish to target? I'm going to say big blue fish. Big blue, fish. big blue one since 2017. And I, I would love, I love that bite. That was an awesome bite catching them on the flats. We used to throw poppers on the flats and just watching them, the big teethy fish come up and smoke a pencil popper. I would love to get back on that. I haven't seen them, those big ones in there. I've caught small ones. But we used to catch some real gators, especially in 2017. So I would love to get back on that bite. And it's been frustrating since then. Qua and our a couple of our buddies know very well about that 2017 bite and such. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. it might it might be happening again. We're I've seen some bigger blues down okay. south making their way up north. I mean, they, so. they're no. around. They don't they don't they don't make that barn get stopped like they used to. And if it is, it's only a day or two that you got to be able to jump on them. They're like they're like in and out so fast. I mean, last, last, was it spring? No, fall. We ran into them during fall up, up the beach, uh, further north of you. And um, there are some very, pretty big schools in there. And I, I had, a, I had a few on the fly. It's, it's, 
they're pretty amazing on the fly. It's it's crazy. I think everybody knows my my uh, my frustrating fish. I have some of our listeners reaching out to me saying they're going to help me knock trigger fish off off my list because it's blasphemy that I I haven't caught a trigger fish yet as much as I fish. So uh, yeah, I, I get I get the uh, the bluefish uh, frustrating there, but mine is because I haven't caught one yet. You just miss them. Yeah. I could get behind the trigger fish though. I've had some frustrating days there. I remember me and my buddy were like, all right, we're catching trigger fish. We saw people catching them. And I went to the uh, jetty in Atlantic city one day and I was sitting there all day, sand fleas, fiddler crabs, a guy comes down from uh, Philadelphia with bucket of store-bought shrimp. He bought it at a fish market. So I'm like, all right, he has like a freshwater pole. I'm like, this can't be happening. He throws it out with like a five ounce weight. I thought the rod was going to snap on the cast. He hooks up. I'm like, this better not be a trigger fish. Pulls up like a 17 inch trigger fish right in front of me, first cast. And I was like, wow, you like, you just can't make this up. This is my life. I, this is my life right there. That's my life. I've been next to guys plucking trigger fish after trigger fish, and I'm catching sea bass the size of my hand and, and maybe oh, yeah. a, a random six to seven inch tog. And yep, this guy, exactly. I, I, I watched someone pluck literally five feet to the left of me for trigger fish. I'm like, Oh, I guess he found the hole. And then he yeah. goes on the other side of me, like another 10 yards down and starts catching them down there. I'm like, I guess I just don't have it. I don't have it. I got to call an expert in. It's not my thing. That's one thing I do not have either. I feel the same way. I'll fish on the rocks and I'll catch a hundred 10 inch tog and lose $20 worth of sand fleas without any sheep's head, any trigger fish, or any big tog. So I feel you hundred percent on that. Yeah, it's, it's tough. So what is your uh, your top tackle shop on the on the shore? Uh, Fisherman's headquarters, right over you get over the island. I'm there a lot, and uh, Tony's Bait and Tackle on Bay Ave, both mm-hmm. awesome shops. They got great selection. Love the guys there. They're always always so friendly, always willing to give information. So definitely, we if you're going over the island, those two shops are much stops. We agree with those two shops. We use those shops. So, all right, uh, bucket list top three fish that you have not caught yet. All right, I was thinking about this all day today. I was sitting in class, like writing this down. I had I had eliminated a couple, but definitely number one, Jersey Redfish. That's top tier. Like I want that so bad. Like that is something I want more than anything. You and Quash should just do that together. You guys both have the same uh, bucket list there. It's, yeah, that is. It's, it's a thing, man. It's it's yeah. one of those things that your home state, you know, your home waters is. It's it's it feels like you accomplished. Yeah, it's very special. It makes you feel like you accomplished something. You know, catching uh a jersey red okay so jersey red what else you got shout out qua on this one qua got on this one uh, his last trip musky definitely got to get a musky in my life i definitely need a musky on a fly okay. that would be ideal but i'll take it on whatever i can get it on yeah we we got one on the fly and one on 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 bait casting so awesome all right and then number three three it's a 30 inch weak fish it's got to be it's got to be a 30. He's going for the gator. He's going for the yeah, gator. That's, it's got to nice. be. It's going to take time, but I know I'll get there. I'll dial it in. I'll, t- I'll take as much time as I need, but it'll happen eventually. That, that's the way I feel about the trigger fish. You know, one day it'll happen and I'll just, I'll just feel like I've, I've arrived because I finally caught, you know, the, the ocean panfish. That's one of the easiest fish to catch that I can't catch. Yeah. My, my old time of fishing in Jersey, I think I've only landed two thirties weak fish. And they were back to back on on live mullet, <laughs> and that that was it. I've never that seen another it. one, another one, ever. Wow, were those were those spring or fall fish? Huh? You said mullet. Were those fall fish? Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. 
All right, so this is the last rapid fire question. Favorite non-Jersey place to fish? Uh, Sanibel Island, Florida. Without a okay. doubt, I go there all the time. I really like, when we take vacations, mom's like, you want to switch it up? You want to go to QS? I'm like, no, nah, I want to go back to Sanibel. I know how to catch fish there. I can catch fish in a short period of time. So I stay at uh, Tween Waters Inn. They have a nice tea dock. So during the day, live shrimping around the docks, just pulling snook out of there is so much fun. Going up to the Gulf, throwing topwater plug, catching nice sea trout, nice snook. And then uh, they have that popular bridge, Blind Pass, go down there. Lots of nice fish down there. So definitely Sanibel Island, Florida. Yeah, there's a couple of kids that, that make that run down there for, on that pass and catch like the most tropical looking fish I've ever seen. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. A, definitely a popular spot, but you go out there at night during the week, not that many people out there. It's an awesome yeah. spot to fish. I love it. All right. So, so Sanibel, that, that's the ticket outside of Jersey for you. Yep. Yep. I want to, I want to bring the boat down there eventually. You know, I got time off in the winter a little bit. So hopefully hop the boat on a trailer, go down there, spend a week or two down there and maybe spread the business down there eventually. So see what happens, but I love that area. Take a loan out for the gas on the way down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's I'm not excited about that. This summer. I mean, I mean, he's got a 16 foot skiff. He should be fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to wrap up and this is going to be important for you because you're working on a survey with Stockton regarding the public's perception of striped bass, current regulations, and, and, you know, some, some other questions. Why don't you give us a, a little insight on that, where we can find it and how, listen to our listeners. We, he has 51 responses to date. We'd love to see that doubled so he can get some really good data. So he's going to give you all the information on this survey so we can uh, kind of help him get some good data and, and, and really, really hone in on, on some, some, some key factors that might help this, this fishery in the future. So Derek, talk about your survey, um, what, you're, what you're highlighting in that survey and where our listeners can find it. So uh, I'm currently taking a wildlife management course. Professor is like final project and you do a human dimension survey and write an eight to 10 page paper on a wildlife management policy plan. So I was like, all right, like if I'm gonna do this, present to the class, I'm gonna do something I'm passionate about. So there was no choice, I'm doing striped bass. Immediately sent the information to us what I wanna do, so how I'm gonna do it. So uh, she helped me set up the human dimension survey. So basically what I'm looking for that is how many, like how many people are actually actively targeting striped bass and how much pressure they're seeing. So I'll ask questions like what fish you target the most and results on that figured the most targeted fish is fluke. I think that's just because of the season, but shortly behind it was striped bass. So of the 51 respondents, it was like 32 targeted fluke the most. And it was shortly followed by striped bass at like 30, 31, 30. And uh, after that, I got into how much catch and release you do. And I figured a majority of the people that took the survey all catch and release anglers. So that was great to see. And then at the end, I get into the uh, new amendment seven policy. That's something I'm also writing about in the presentation and in the paper. So basically what I want to see there is how many people actually know about this plan and how they're going to manage these fish in the future. So I asked a question about that and I actually found out majority of people that took the survey actually didn't read or know about amendment seven. And uh, a few people that did actually had a lot of positive things to say, some negative things. So that's mainly what I'm looking for, insight on that and how many, like how many people know about the regulation and active management policies that are happening today. Excellent. Excellent. So that Amendment 7, a lot of people don't know about it. Give us the short answer of what Amendment 7 is and, and what, what you'd like to get from that information of what people know about it. So in 2018, they did the stock assessment, found out that uh, striped bass were overfished and uh, mortality was above the threshold that they would like to see. They basically found out catch and release mortality was one of the main factors. A lot of people, I think a lot of people are quick to blame the commercial guys. 
but the commercial guys are struggling. They're not really, they put these quotas in for these commercial guys and a lot of them can't reach them in certain states. So that tells you a lot. Like if they're trying to support their families on a certain fish and they can't catch that many fish, there's a big problem going on. So I think a lot of people look over the recreational sector and how much we impact the species as a whole. But I think that's a really good thing too, because I think that's something we can fix with more education and enforcement that we can change this around and catch and release mortality can be a thing of the thing of the past eventually. Very nice. Very nice. So give us, give, give the listeners, uh, and, and we're going to put the link in, in, uh, in his, uh, in his posts uh, promotion. So the link will be available to you there, but give us, give us where we can find that survey and where we can send our listeners to go. Cause that survey wraps up when. Uh, the semester ends April 26. I'm going to keep the survey open and it's like the whole time. I'm just going to keep it in my bio on Instagram at Dairy Free Fishing. So feel free to chime in even after the semester is over. Let me know your thoughts. Anything, anything, anything is better than nothing. So the more the merrier. So April 26, I'll be wrapping up the semester, submitting my final project. And after that, I'm open to any other insight, but the write-up will be done April 26. All right. So that gives us essentially nine days from when this episode drops to when you're turning that in. So with that being said, why don't our listeners just help this help this guy out and get him a lot of responses so he can go back to his uh, his professor and show him, hey, listen, I got a I got a great amount of information on striped bass. Looks like this is a problem here. This might not be a problem here. And that way we can give him help him get good information for his class. So he has the uh, the link to the survey in his bio at Dairy Free Fishing on Instagram. We're going to post the link as well. And then, uh, you know, Derek, just wrap up. Give us some uh, social media plugs and anything you'd like to promote at the end here. And then afterwards, Kwal yeah, so, and I are going to stay on to kind of wrap the episode up. Yeah, so uh, Dairy Free Fishing Instagram. I actually got the name. Shout out Uncle Dave for the name. When I got the boat, he was like, you got to name it. And I've had a dairy allergy my whole life, so he's definitely been one that's been knocking on me on that so i was like there's no other option dairy free fishing that's the name i want to give a shout out to my parents they really helped me through all this and uh all the people i had never had a slip for the boat so everyone that's let me keep the boat in their backyard i go at ungodly hours it might be annoying but shout out everyone there i got great family friends that are supporting me and it's awesome i love it well you have our support too we're gonna we're gonna highlight you we're gonna follow along and see how you grow and then when you're open for business, we're going to send people your way. You know, we, we love your passion. We love the education behind it. We love the fact that you're educated and you know what you're talking about. It's not just another fly by night charter guy. Cause there are a lot of those, you know, a lot of people think yeah. they can do that job and it's, it's, it's not for everybody. You know, it's, it takes a special person that has, you know, the, the, the charisma number one, to be able to capture his, his, his uh, clients and then the education and the uh, and and the entertainment to be able to keep them there. You know that's that's the thing. Like when it's a bad fishing day, you gotta you gotta fall back on something else. And I think you might have that. So, you know, we're we're excited to see where this goes for you. And it's been a pleasure chatting with you, man. We really appreciate yes. you taking the time to hop on. And thank you for being a listener. You know, this is a perfect case. If you're a listener, and you want to hop on. Derek reached out to us, said he loves what we're doing, and he'd love to to help. Uh, you know, get some information about striped bass and ask for our help with it. And here he is. So. It's just that easy. You know, we're, we're, we're not just looking for, you know, the elite of the elite. We want to talk to everybody. You know, there's, there's, there's a piece of the puzzle to everybody in this world. And Derek's another piece of that puzzle and he's in our backyard doing some big things. So we love it, man. We really appreciate what you're doing for the fishery. Yeah. It's been an honor to be on. You guys had some great captains and a lot of people that solidified themselves in the game and I'm not going anywhere. So maybe get a check-in in a couple of years once I get fully rolling and it'll be great to talk to you guys again soon, hopefully. Definitely. And also, man, 
love to get out in the water with you this year. You know, I'd love to fish with a young man as motivated as much as I am to catch fish on the fly. And I mean, it's here too. You know, I have an open boat invitation for you. If you ever want to hop on my boat, do some fly fishing, you know, whatever you want to do, we'll get out there. We'll scope out the South Jersey waters. You now let, let you see my waters for a little bit. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll get you a Jersey sheep too. Yeah, I would love that. That's something on the bucket list too. That was a close one. I had it. That was in the top five. I had to eliminate it for the weak fish, but it was definitely up there. That's all right. I already, I always keep a few outliers, you know, that I, mm-hmm. I can always like, if, if something's not going on, like I'm trying for one particular fish hard right now and the, the weather isn't, isn't, isn't cooperating. So I have some outliers that I can fall back on. So that's mm-hmm. okay that you got some fish outside the bucket list. And God tell you, sheep's head's a great one. We love them yeah. as, as you well know. So. All right, cool. All right, man. Well, well, go ahead. No, go ahead, Dan. Well, it was a pleasure chatting with you. We really appreciate you taking the time. We're going to stay on for a couple minutes and wrap it up, man. Thanks, Derek. We 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 had a we had a blast, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate. it. That was awesome time, guys. That was great. Yeah, no Glad problem. Man. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, keep those lines tight, and we'll keep in touch. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. you thanks, Derek. It. All right, man. I love his energy. I love what he's trying to do. And, uh, and listen, you know, you, you could sit here and line up all the, the guests that everybody knows, but then how does anybody else make a name for themselves? So this is a chance for a kid that's, that's trying to do some good things in the world and the fishing world. And we want to help him out. And like mm-hmm. I said, he's a listener. He's been listening to us since the beginning. And he, he always, uh, he always checks in says he's listening to this episode, that episode. It's great. And he, he finally reached out and said, you know, I'd love to hop on. I'm doing this this assessment i really would love some help with it what do you guys think he get, he and he actually said you know i've learned so much from you guys that i feel obligated to bring that to to the table with you guys so it, it was great i love that yeah i mean I, I love it like for me it's like whenever these young guys get into it you know what i mean it's it it motivates me to be like a better person to teach more you know what i mean yeah. that because you know from us because we're being all old and old and stuff right so it's better <laughs> to teach these younger guys yeah. and as they're moving their way up and, and and the fact that we're supporting them you know in their dreams you know what i mean it, it helps out and the fact that like i want to help derek with his, uh, his whole uh, assessment project too so i mean guys out there if you guys get an opportunity check his either check out his instagram and click on his bio and uh you can fill out the assessment or we'll make sure we have the link right here on the description. You guys just got to click, fill it out, help the kid out. You know what I mean? He, we want to know what's going on out there too. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, I, I filled out the survey. It's super quick. It's not, it's not, it's not painful. I know we get asked to do surveys in our regular life over and over and over and over. It's not a painful survey. It's important to all of us. It's very important to Derek and we want to help him out with that. So as always, we really appreciate all of our listeners tuning in. You know, we, we have, a growing batch of listeners that are very loyal and, and always are, are checking in with us and giving us great feedback. So if you, uh, if you know anybody that wants to be a guest or you'd like to be a guest yourself, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. That's exactly what Derek did. And we got him lined up and he was great. You know, it's, it, it doesn't take, you know, everybody knowing your name for us to, to have you as a, as a guest. We, we just want to help, you know, grow this sport the right way. And Derek's a great way to do it. So. Yeah. Okay. Not much I can add on to that. I mean, it's, it, it was a great podcast. Absolutely. As always, you can find us at Tide underscore Chasers on Instagram. Find us on Tide Chasers Podcast on Facebook. We're also on all of your podcast platforms from Apple to Spotify. We're on Pandora, iHeartRadio, 
among others. And then our, our, our most, uh, our, our favorite venture probably is Waypoint TV because we're on there with a lot of people that are just like us. So check us out and by all means, we love it. Keep listening in. We got some great guests lined up. Tight lines, everybody. It was a pleasure chatting tonight. All right. Have a good night, everyone. Tight lines. Thank you.